Welcome to the Sensory Wise Solutions Podcast for Parents, where parents can get real, actionable strategies to support kids with sensory processing disorder. I'm Laura, OT and mom to Liliana, a sensory sensitive kid who inherited my anxiety and my love for all things Disney. Consider me your new OT mom bestie. I know my stuff, but I also know what it's really like in the trenches of parenting a child with sensory processing disorder. Okay, mom, enough about me. Let's start the podcast. All right, we are back. Okay, so this is part three to our sensory and anxiety journey. And if you want the full details, make sure you go back and listen to episode one and two. If you want the Cliff's Notes version, Liliana was a fussy baby. I had postpartum anxiety. She had huge emotional dysregulation challenges starting from nine months, plus sensory avoidant behaviors that got more intense between 14 months and two years. And Liliana was evaluated by Iron Man. (laughs) Again, see episode two for the T behind that detail. And that's where we left off. So in this episode, I want to reflect on the time period between October 2019 and February 2020. These are some of the darkest times of my life as a parent to Liliana. I feel like I should say trigger warning, but I don't know exactly what the trigger is. I just will be talking a lot about how hard it was raising her at this time and how I cried and got stressed out a lot. So if you don't want to hear that, you might skip this episode. So the good thing to come out of that Iron Man, (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't stop referring to him as that. I'm talking about the developmental pediatrician. The good thing to come out of that evaluation was that he identified that anxiety might be playing a role. So he connected me with a play therapist. A play therapist is usually a therapist with a mental health background. Ours is an LMFT, which stands for Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. And she specializes in childhood anxiety, including young toddlers and preschoolers. So we worked with her for a bit and to this day, I still work with her, but it's actually for my own anxiety in the context of being a mom to a child with SPD and anxiety. So I highly recommend play therapy if you do suspect anxiety is part of the picture for your child. More on that for sure. In another episode, I could talk at length about our experience with play therapy. But aside from play therapy, we also did get a referral for OT services. But when they evaluated her at the OT clinic, they did not recommend one-on-one services, but rather a social group therapy, which sounded like a really good idea at the time where she could practice being around peers and being regulated in a multi-sensory environment. So the social group was hosted by an OT and a speech therapist, which was cool, and it had six children total in it. It was a drop-off social group for two hours, which was awesome. And on the first day, I noticed right away that Liliana wasn't the best fit with the other kids in the group. Out of all the six children, Liliana was the only non-seeker, aka she was a sensory avoider in a group of extremely loud, fast, movement-seeking, and clumsy boys. She was also the only girl in the group for two hours in one room. Yikes. After the first visit, I already had in mind that this wasn't a good fit, but I gave it another session before I officially decided, and the OT agreed with me, that this was doing more harm than good for her overall regulation. So with all this going on, her meltdowns 
just continued to increase in duration, intensity, and frequency. We, my husband and I, were not able to catch our breath. We were not able to rest. We just couldn't get ahead of her dysregulation in the morning. And these, when I say this, these were the darkest times of our lives parenting her. It's because we, my husband, myself, and Liliana were just like locked up in our house. It felt like we were quarantining before quarantine was a thing. We could not get out of the house on the weekends because she just was crying the entire time. And then we were miserable and drained and exhausted, just literally just waiting for the next meltdown to happen. It got to a point where this was happening for like weeks and weeks and like months at some point. And I would walk by one of those um, virtual picture frames in our house and an old picture of her or us as a family would would come up and oh, sorry guys did not expect to become emotional um these old pictures of us as a family would come up and I would instead of feeling like oh what a cute picture I would feel really sad because it felt like she wasn't this happy kid anymore like and we weren't a happy family And like, I went through my camera roll at this time in our life and there were like no pictures of us as a family. There were no pictures of her. I like, there was no pictures because she was just melting down every day. I also remember going to, you know, just being out at the store, out to lunch or wherever I was out in the community. And I would like pass by families having like froyo together or ice cream or just like a family of three that looked like our family but they were like laughing and like having fun and enjoying their time together and I would feel really jealous I would feel anger I would feel resentment because it felt like I couldn't do that because we were having such a hard time so with all this going on it just got worse and worse. Her meltdowns at this point were constant, were throughout the day, lasting 90 minutes. She would bang her head. She would bite her finger or she would bite her hand to the point that it would get swollen or draw blood. Um, And she started peeing in her pants every time she had a meltdown after she was already potty trained. There was one day after dealing with like the third meltdown of the day, I was in a panic and I was desperate and I looked at her and it hit me that there's something wrong with you. Maybe you have a concussion. Maybe you're dehydrated. There's something medically going on. There has to be something wrong. I took her to urgent care who then sent us to the ER where she was admitted for quote tests for behavioral changes. I think they were thinking of like some tumor or like, a. I have no idea, but they did see when I was describing the behavioral changes and saying how bad it got over the past three days, they did admit us. And long story, kind of short, after running the test and finding nothing but like mild dehydration, the medical staff on her team sat me down and had this extremely awkward and really degrading almost talk with me about how Liliana's behaviors and my quote sensory concerns seemed to be directly tied to my own stress and anxiety. And they gave me suggestions like hire a full-time nanny, hire someone to do my groceries or cook for us. Basically the message that they were sending me was that everything was in my head and, or I was making this situation harder because of my inability to manage my own house duties. (laughs) 
Is your jaw open? Are you as shocked as I was when I processed that? Are you feeling offended for me? Or maybe you've been where I was too, but I hear from so many parents who got brushed off, medical professionals telling them it was their parenting style that was causing the challenges, all of it. Anyway, this was it. This was the turning point in my journey with Liliana. I had a wake-up call, a call to action, if you will, that I was the only person at that time who could support her the way that she needed to be supported. And that's when I started being more intentional about how I played with her. I started thinking of myself as my own client. What home programs would I recommend to this tired, exhausted mom of a toddler with sensory needs and meltdowns? How could I inform this client, which would be myself, to structure her day? So I started using visual supports for her and all of the tools that I used at the clinic, but I never really took the time and effort to bring it home and do with her. And I did really want her to work with someone else, like her own OT that wasn't me. But at that time, I, with the insurance that we were provided and all of that, we, I, I was not able to get OT support for her. So I first tackled messy play on its own while just constantly finding ways to manage her overall regulation, which can Tributed to the meltdowns and I did get some help from the play therapist at this time I found ways to add deep breaths and calming activities throughout our routines and it did slowly start to help I started to feel like I could do this that it hadn't been easy, but I could do it and Now two years later, I am seeing the fruits of my labor and I see that it does all make a difference And in the next episode, the final part to this four-part series, I'll detail how we've made it through the pandemic and how she's doing today. Spoiler alert, she is thriving. So I'll see you there. Thanks for being here. Sorry for making it so emotional. (laughs) If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider rating it and leaving a review, which helps other parents find me as well. Want to learn more from me? I share tons more over on Instagram at the OT Butterfly. See you next time.